Welcome to episode four of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Good to see you. Hello. We spent, we actually spent yesterday uh, together at the Sterling Library on the Yale campus. Doing some work. Got a lot of work done. Yeah, we were there about three hours and really did some good work. Yeah, I had saved up some work. um, Knowing that we had made this plan, I'd saved up some work that I really didn't want to do and knew that being forced to sit there, I would get it done. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I did. So <laughs> nice. thank you for that. Yeah. Excellent. And today is, well, should we say Happy New Year to everyone? Yes. Since everyone is listening to this on January 3rd yeah. or, or after, we should say. Happy 2017, everybody. Woohoo! Woo! I'm excited about 2017. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So you and I have mapped out some, um, I don't know, do we call them goals or yeah, reading goals, reading goals, reading yeah. challenges, reading intentions. Yeah. So 2017. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. As a book blogger, there, I don't know if people do it as much as they, they used to even, you know, a couple of years ago, but uh, reading challenges are big things that some bloggers do with different categories and then the number of books that they read within that category. So I have one of those, but then I also have some of my own private. So you mean you're doing a challenge that you're posting on your blog? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So I could start talking with that one. Yeah, please. Okay, it's the Australian Women Writers Challenge, which I've been doing for a couple years now, uh, some years more successfully than others. Um, But it's one that I'm very interested in just because Australian fiction is not something that we read a lot here. I think the only book I can remember that was a really big smash that came from Australia was The Thornbirds. Oh, yeah, I loved yeah. that book. Colleen McCollum. Yeah. McCollum? 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 Yeah. Sure. She actually lived in Guilford for a while. I did Yeah, she was a professor of some type of medical science, I believe, at Yale for a while, and she lived in Guilford. Huh. Yeah, so there's a Guilford connection. Glad she didn't live here when I did, because yeah. I would have stalked her, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that book, yeah. and I liked that. I think it was a little mini-series, right? It and was I a mini-series. That. Oh, yeah. yeah, like when yeah. I was, I remember when I was a kid, everybody was swooning over whoever Richard played the, Chamberlain? Richard Chamberlain, who played the yeah. priest yeah. role, yeah. Swooning yeah. over a priest. What's not to love? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I read the book a couple years ago, finally, for the first time, and really enjoyed it as part of this Australian Women Writers Challenge. Um, so this year, they have different levels of challenge you can participate in. And the first one, you know what, I didn't write down what this one is, but they're, they're named after different writers, I believe, and in Miles Franklin was an influential woman writer in Australia. And there's even a, an award named after her. So I'll be reading four Australian books is my goal for 2017. I'm going to do two mysteries and two classics. And actually one of them is Miles, uh, Miles Franklin's My Brilliant Career, which is an autobiographical type yeah. novel from what I understand. And then another one that I have, um, Some Everyday Folk and Dawn. And then there are two mysteries. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to read these, but I'll give them a shout out. The Dry by Jane Harper and then The Strays by Emily Bito, I think is how you say her name. And those two were in the recent issue of Book Pages oh. as uh, Australian uh, books to check out. So they're current. They're current, current. yeah. Okay. Yeah, new releases. So that's my first challenge of 2017. And you'll just spread them out over the year. There's not a period of time in which you're supposed to get them read. Right, yeah, like I'll spread okay. them out, yeah. Okay. Nice, nice. 
Well, I don't, the only reading challenge per se that I participate in is one that's kind of self-imposed, which is through Goodreads. I do track my reading on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy doing that. And I also enjoy seeing what my friends are reading. I enjoy it slash sometimes it stresses me out because I think, oh, another book to add to my TBR, ever-growing TBR. But um, so I was really looking at my reading challenge and thinking about if I wanted to add more than I read last year. Last year, my challenge, or I should say 2016, my challenge was to read 52 books, Mm -hmm. which I think of as like a book a week, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. And I did that. And um, so I was thinking, oh, surely it's time to up that ante, you know, and then I started to think about my coming year, which is that I'm I'm taking um, two classes this uh, winter semester, winter slash spring semester, which I've never done before. So I know it's going to be a lot of work and I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm not hitting my reading challenge. So mm-hmm. I decided to keep it at 52 um, for the year and feel really good about that. So I yeah. will be tracking my reading again on Goodreads. Nice. Yeah. I like 52 books a year because it is, it's one a week. It seems sane. It seems doable. Yeah. Um, I was talking about it the other day with a friend and about 52 books, the amount of books you read. How can I best say this? Um, pages versus books you know because you think sometimes and I know um, Thomas and Simon talked about this on the readers when it comes to books on the shelf when you have a big fat book it's like hmm that you know three books could fit in that slot right there that this one book (laughs) is taken when you're looking at space but then when you're looking at reading and you're reading x amount of books like one of the books I have on my list it's 881 pages yeah, that's you know, a big book. That's like a couple yeah. books yeah. right there. So yeah. I, I've, I know on Goodreads there's an option to choose the number of pages you've read. I've never the number noticed of books. That. Yeah, okay. it's a cool thing. Yeah, because I know one year when I was looking at Goodreads, I read fewer books, but it was actually more pages oh. than the, the previous year. So you can look at it both ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll yeah. have to check that's that a fun out. thing to check. Yeah, because yeah. I've been I'm trying to think. I've been tra- tracking it since. I know 2015 and 2016. I don't know if I have a 2014. So I'll have to look and mm-hmm. see what my pages read were 2015 versus 2016. I'd be curious. It's an interesting thing to look at. Yeah. Do you put your academic reading on Goodreads or is it not that type of reading? Or not? I do only if I really read the whole book. You know, a lot of my reading is, you know, you read a chapter or two out of a book. And the professor still suggests that you buy the entire thing, <laughs> which I fell for last semester and bought two huge tomes and read, you know, I felt like, oh, they could have just put those chapters up online for us, you know. Mm-hmm. But so if I read the whole book, I will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People yeah. will be able to see that if they're following me on Goodreads. Yeah. Oh, nonprofit law. Huh. <laughs> it's stimulating five stars. <laughs> What's your next goal? Uh, my next one, actually, my next one is another blog-related one, which um, it's the Classics Club that I partake in. It's a, a group of bloggers and readers who are committed to reading and reviewing classic novels, and I'm gonna aim for six this coming year. That's a lot. They're they're none of none of them are well. They're not too lengthy. I don't think I could run them off real quick. So um, Carmilla by Lafanu, I'm not sure if you pronounce his name correctly, that was from 1872. So Big by Ferber, which uh, Showboat, the musical, was based on that novel. It's from 1924. The Grapes of Wrath by Steinbeck. I love Steinbeck. I've never read that, though. Yeah, I 
1939 Dust Bowl. I think everybody is familiar at least with it, even if they haven't read it. I my intention was to read it in 2016, and I just didn't get to it. And we were even at the Steinbeck Center in California, unplanned. I didn't realize we would be in that neck of the woods, and uh, I probably should have picked it up immediately yeah. and started reading then when I was kind of on on the Steinbeck high, but I didn't. 2017 Steinbeck might happen. Um, A tree grows in Brooklyn. Ooh, Smith. Love that. Yeah, 1943. I've heard nothing but excellent things about it's, that. That's one. a long book, but I did love it. it okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes length doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, I remember when high school kids would come into the store looking for the summer reading, and they'd say, "Well, which one should I read? This one's so short, and yeah. this one's too long. I don't want." It. And I would tell them, you know, sometimes a long book can seem like a breeze, and a short book can feel so painful. Yeah. That's true. So there is that to consider, too. Um, The last two on my Classics Club list, um, From Here to Eternity by Jones, 1951. Famous for the movie movie scene when they're rolling around in the surf. Right. And then Giovanni's Room by Baldwin, 1956, is one I'd like to read. That's a great list. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I look forward to living vicariously through you and hearing about them. I told you that I do I, I've been thinking about classics and I was thinking of reading Madame Bovary because mm-hmm. I've never read it and it caught my eye because it was on the list of top romance books of all time or something like that so yeah, yeah. who can resist a good romance exactly <laughs> although it's kind of like a spoilers or anything, but it's a little bit of an anti-romance too I think from what I remember oh well my curiosity is really piqued yeah okay. well maybe I'll maybe I'll add that to my reading challenge for the year awesome all right. What's up for you next? So my, my next one is, um, this would be something that would take place after May, after graduation. Um, when I lived in Ohio, I volunteered a lot, and volunteering is really important to me. That's my pursuit of a degree in philanthropic studies, you know. It's important to me to volunteer. I also really enjoy um, working in my professional career in the nonprofit sector, and so I, when I moved here, I was a little bit over-volunteered in my old life, mm-hmm. and I decided when I moved here I was going to take a break and be really thoughtful about where I wanted to place my volunteer efforts. And so um, upon graduation, I'd really like to get involved with one of the literacy agencies in the New Haven area. There's actually one in Guilford and in the Shoreline, too, that I might investigate. And I would love to read to kids and have kids read to me yeah. and grown-ups. I mean, there's a lot of literacy um, needs in the adult population as well, yeah. but um, I kind of miss, you know, having kids around. So yeah. I thought it'd be fun to to do some volunteering. Very cool. So, yeah. So that's one of my goals after May. After May. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, next on my list is a uh, something that came up just the other day. Actually, it wasn't necessarily on my radar. Um, I have a friend who is a, a book reviewer. John Valerie is his name, and from 2009 to 2016, he wrote a, a column called the Hartford Book Examiner and examiner.com closed earlier this year. So John is a freelance reviewer now. And if you want to check his stuff out, johnbvalerie.com is his website. Anyway, John and I got together the other night and we have, um, I got him a calendar for 2017. It is, uh, what is the name of it? Masters of Literature from Orange Circle Studio. And it features a different literary figure each month. Uh, classic writers. The il- I should say it's car- it's like a cartoon caricature of the writer. Oh, fun. Yeah, the illustrations by Elizabeta Stoinich is her name. And they're really fun, colorful, 
depictions of these riders. So here I give it to John. We're talking about it. And he says, what was on my mind? Oh, maybe I could use this as a way to kind of broaden my reading horizons for 2017 and each month read something by each writer, you know, featured for that month. So then the conversation morphed into, hey, we can have like our own little book group and read the book together and get together and talk about it. And then that way we at least get together 12 times in 2017. So that is one of my reading challenges, goals, inspirations. I'm not sure what to call this one, (laughs) Uh, but we'll be starting with Shakespeare. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That will be interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a fun challenge. And then do you think... um, I mean, when he reviews, is he just reviewing current books or would he review something like that if he read an old classic? Do you, know? you know, I don't know. John, he does a lot of contemporary forthcoming mysteries are kind of his specialty. He, he does other types of, of uh, books as well, but mysteries are near and dear to his heart. And he does a lot of author interviews as well on his on his blog, his website, and then for different magazines as well, you know, like Suspense Magazine and The Strand which are pretty well known in the mystery uh, mystery world. So I don't know um, if he, he would. He can't interview Shakespeare. No, he cannot. That day has passed. He cannot. But he did just interview, interview Patricia Cornwell. So, you know. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he, Not bad. He has, a, he has a really great following, and he has a really great style. It'll, it'll be interesting to talk about classics. And I'm looking at the list of writers. So it's Shakespeare, Jane Austen, Baudelaire. Is that how you say mm-hmm. his name? Emily Dickinson, Oscar Wilde, Virginia Woolf, Dostoevsky, Proust, Shelley, Poe, Kafka, and then the Bronte sisters. Nice. So Poe, you know, is the father of the mystery novel. Right. So we'll you guys are going to fight over who to read or which one of which one to read, read for Poe. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So that that should be fun. And that's a great yeah. idea. I love that idea. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Well, my next goal is um, one of my favorite things to do is to read a book and listen to the audio at the same time. Mm -hmm. I just love it. I love the flow of it. I love that I can go out for my morning walk and listen to my book and then, you know, in the afternoon, hunker down on the couch with the book and, you know, move ahead Mm -hmm. from what I listen to and, you know, read a little bit more. But there's something about organizing it that it rarely happens for me. It happens just because I get most of my... um, books and my audio, both from the library. Mm-hmm. So it just has to be that, you know, it worked in tandem together. Yeah. So my goal, I'm just setting a, a goal to try to make it happen four times this year oh, because cool. I enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. And it might be that I end up, you know, getting a subscription service of some kind to Audible or to audiobooks.com or mm-hmm. something like that, just to see if it, if that helps it happen for me, yeah. you know, but, right. um, you know, I don't, I try not to spend too much money on books. I've never really had the budget for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe that will change in the future. But also I've been a little afraid that if I do, there would be no room left in the house for me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I try to keep maintain control over that, which is part of what I love about using the library. Mm-hmm. So, so that's just a goal I decided I'm going to try to make it happen for, four times this year because I enjoy it so much. Nice. Well, good. Yeah. I look forward to that. All right, so my next thing, Willa Cather is my favorite author. If I have to choose only one, it's Willa. Um, And I'm not that familiar with her short stories. I've read some of her more famous ones, like Paul's Case, which is widely anthologized, and The Bohemian Girl is another one. I think she had a total of 19 published short stories in a couple of collections. 
So I do want to read her short stories systematically in 2017. And do you have an anthology already or no? You know, I have I have the Library of America volume of her short fiction, and then I also have a collected stories of Willa Cather from Vintage, a little paperback. I'll probably read the paperback just because it's easier. Yeah. Um, you know, easier on the backpack, easier yeah. when you're laying in bed trying to read. Right. But I love the uh, Library of America, their whole series. I always enjoy them for the footnotes and the, the essays that are included. So I'll probably go back and forth a little bit. Nice. So do you, I mean, calling out your favorite author is a bold move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to think long and hard to do that. Do you have a favorite book of hers? You know what? That goes, uh, that kind of comes and goes. Right now, my favorite one by her is One of Ours, which was her World War One novel uh, about a, a boy named Claude who is loosely based on her cousin who actually died in World War One. I love the book. It's it's not one of her more read novels. I think My Antonia and yeah. and um, O Pioneers are the two that a lot of people read. But I love one of ours. I just love the way she captures late adolescent agitation with your life and mm-hmm. being where you are and wanting to be somewhere else and feeling like you don't fit in with where you were born or with the people you are surrounded by and then going off and finding something else. There's so much in that novel. There's, it's an amazing book. Okay. So that's Good. my favorite. And uh, I know for the longest time, Oh, Pioneers was my favorite. So it changes. And then Death yeah. Comes for the Archbishop was my favorite for a while. But the last couple of years, it's been Oh, Pioneers. Okay. Not, I'm sorry, not Oh, Pioneers, uh, one of one ours. ours. Yeah. 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 And she won a Pulitzer for that. Novel. Yeah. Wow. And it wasn't, it didn't get great reception by the critics. A lot of people slammed her because she was a woman writing about war. And Hemingway was one of the people who slammed her, not surprisingly, mm-hmm. with his insecure masculinity yeah. there. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. Um, but she got nothing but praise from veterans who read it. The oh, veterans who actually fought in the war loved that book and wrote to her. And appreciated it so much. Mm, that's really yeah. fascinating. I didn't know she won a Pulitzer for that. Well, maybe this will be my year to read Willa Cather. Yes, I'm You're always trying to turn me. people on to Willa Cather. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago, I did a Willa Cather novel reading challenge on my blog because she conveniently wrote 12 novels. So that's one a month. Mm. And I read them in chronological order. Okay. Which is a lot of fun. Well, that is fun. Well, my next goal is is something that um, I feel very strongly about, and I've already been working on it, but in 2017, I really want to have full management of this issue, which is <laughs> working on um, controlling my time with my phone and uh-huh. how it interrupts my reading time. Mm-hmm. Um, on that, the Happier podcast, which I've talked about before, Gretchen Rubin um, and Elizabeth Kraft, their sisters, they have this Happier podcast, and they recently did an episode that they called The Cubicle in Your Pocket. Yeah, I listened to that episode. Yeah. I like that. And they were talking about it more in relation to work, which I feel like I have very good management of my telephone, my telephone, <laughs> my cell phone and my work life. I mean, part of it is I have clients that are in the re- restaurant industry. So I do work, 
you know, every day and that doesn't bother me. And I work on weekends if I'm feeling motivated to work on weekends. So some of what they talked about, I didn't find relevant for my work life. Mm -hmm. But what I have been trying to pay more attention to is just how much time you, when you get lost in your phone, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to check Facebook and then, oh, did anyone post on Snapchat? What's going on on Instagram? Let me look at Twitter. You know, before you know it, half an hour is gone. Yeah. You know, 45 minutes, an hour. And so I've been trying to really manage that, you know, pick up my phone. I usually pick it up first thing in the morning, pick it up, look at it. And then I say, you know, 10 minutes, give this 10 minutes and then put your phone down and get to reading Mm -hmm. because I really love to read first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of my reading done that way. I'm an early riser and, you know, my friends don't want me calling them at five o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So, um, you know, and sometimes it's not light out at five o'clock in the morning. So I really can get two hours of reading done in the morning before I even get out of bed. Nice. Yeah. I can lose 45 minutes of that looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. So, and then just even in the middle of the day, if I sit down to read and my phone sitting beside me, you know, you get a text and then you return your text and then, oh, let me just see what's going on out in the social media world. Yeah. Oh, it's so deadly. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. And I just feel like it really eats away at my reading time. And not only that, it's the distraction level. You know, if you're in the middle of reading and then you do that and then you come back to your book and you're like, where was I? Mm -hmm. What was I doing? You know? So I'm really going to manage that and just pay attention to it. I mean, my phone's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I know that. And, you know, I'm, I, I love my phone. It's very helpful in my work life, but I don't want it to eat up as much of my reading time anymore. Yeah, very good. That's, yeah. A, that's a great one. I, I know I've stopped looking up words on my phone while I'm reading. If I come across a word, oh, I'll look that up. And then all of a sudden, like you're saying, there's 45 minutes gone and yeah. it's time to go and right. so much for my reading time. So I've put my little American heritage dictionary next to my reading chair and oh, trying to force smart. myself to, to look up words on in that. Yeah. That's a good idea. You know, when we were at a book event, I think we were there together with Roxanne Cody who owns RJ Julia booksellers. She talked about how she doesn't even stop when she's reading. She has, I think she said a bookmark, mm-hmm. like a paper bookmark that she always has in the books she's reading and she writes words down on the bookmark. Yeah. And then all she'll look up words all together, you know, when she breaks from reading or yeah. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to do something similar, but then I would never go back mm-hmm. and look. So, it also depends on my mood. Sometimes yeah. if I don't know a word, I don't really care because I'm so into the story that, you know, I might yeah. underline it or but um yeah. Yeah. I think it's when I need to understand the context, like yes. if I can't figure out the word from the context, then I'm more likely to look it up. I'm the same way. That way. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. All right. So my last thing, it, I just made a small list of books I've been meaning to get to. And one of them, well, it's The Swarm by a guy named Frank Schatzing, I think is his name. How you pronounce it? 881 pages. That's the one that I mentioned before. And it's a, it's a thriller that uh, has a lot to do with creatures in the ocean. So I've had this book for years. I've been meaning to get to it, but it's never the right time. When I want to read it, it's maybe late spring, and I know I'm going to be in the water again soon. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know if I want to be reading a book about awful mutant creatures in the ocean when I'm dipping in myself. So I do want to get to that one this year. Yeah, the winter might be the best time to do that, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm thinking lately, too, like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm really kind of, 
I really think hard about the last book I read of the year Me and then the too. first book I read of the year. Yes. And I definitely like to have my last book finished by midnight on the 31st so I can start clean on yeah. January 1st with the new book. So I know that's too big of a book for me to start right now. Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, winter. You mean to get done before the end of yeah, the year. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah, finish yeah, that. Yeah. Um, then another book that I, I'll just tell you one more in that category that I want to read, and it's Look Homeward, Angel by Thomas Wolfe. Oh, yeah. I haven't read anything by Thomas Wolfe, and I became interested in him after reading a Scott Berg's biography of Max Perkins a couple years ago, Max Perkins, editor of Genius, which is an excellent book. Um, Max Perkins edited Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Wolf and, and other writers as well. And it was published in 1978, that biography, and it won a National Book Award. It was his first book as well, his first biography. And I just, I fell in love with Max Perkins and how much he cared for his writer's works. Like this whole story about Look Homeward Angel, Thomas Wolfe was a compulsive writer and he wrote crazy and had a huge trunk full of writing. And Max Perkins went and collected everything and he actually formed this book that became Look Homeward Angel. So isn't that what the movie, wasn't there a movie just out about yes, him? Yeah. That starred, um, Oh, I can't think of his name. Colin Firth. Yes. Yeah. 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 Colin Firth. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I it's do want to see movie. it. It's a good movie. I saw it. Did you see yeah, it? Yeah, I oh, saw awesome. it at the Madison Theater. Yeah. Oh, cool. It yeah. was really good. I do want to see it. I um, I just, and that's even a book I wouldn't mind reading again. I, I'd never heard of Max Perkins. I was in a charity shop one day. We were, I don't know, hunt, you know, looking for something in particular. And I looked down in the book section and there was this book with the picture of, it was a drawing of Max Perkins, a little mass market with drawings of like Hemingway and Fitzgerald and other writers kind of looped around his face. I was like, Oh, what's that? That's interesting. And so I bought it for 25 cents and it sat on my shelf. And then I, I read it. I think I read it just as we were really ramping up to move to Connecticut is when I read it. So good. Yeah. Book. Yeah. So I'm curious to read uh, look homeward angel. I, I know people, it seems to be one of those books that people either really love or they really hate. It's a coming of age novel. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's yeah. great. Wow, you have quite a list. Well, my last goal for 2017 is actually um, kind of a work goal. And I, I thought about Laura, your wife, Laura, when I wrote this down, because I recently worked on a vision board, cool. which Laura is all about the vision board. Yeah. And um, just and this was a vision board that was specific to my financial life. Mm -hmm. And so I've always had a goal to somehow be able to work with books. I don't know what it means. I don't want it to be any more specific than that at this yeah. point. But so that's one of my intentions that after I finish my degree, I'm going to start looking to add more in, back into my work life. And I would love for it to somehow involve the world of books, whether it be, you know, through reading, who doesn't want to get paid to read exactly, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, some other venture yet to be determined. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put it on my financial vision board. And um, see what happens with that. Awesome. Yeah. I think vision boards are super powerful. Yeah, I agree. In ways we don't even understand. Yep. I think just writing down things, writing down your intentions and things that you want in your life are, can be really helpful. I mean, mm -hmm. it's part of what allowed me to get into this new life that I love in Guilford. Yeah. You know, yeah. literally just writing it down. Exactly. Saying what yeah. I wanted. Same so. here, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Big believer. So. I haven't done a vision board yet for 2017. I need to do that. Mm. 
So happy reading in 2017, everybody. Good luck with your goals. Yeah, and if you want to share your goals with us on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, let us know what what some of the things are that you're looking forward to in 2017. I would love to hear that. I'm I'm always curious what people are, are looking forward to in their reading life. So moving on to our first regular segment. Just read. Yeah. What have we just read? Emily, you want to go first? Sure. I um, I did something very out of the ordinary, which is I read a graphic novel. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I am not a graphic novel reader, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I, I think graphic novels are fantastic. I think comics are fantastic. I think that for some people, that's the only way they read, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great way to bring reading into a, you know, a young person's life or an older person's life. But this, this caught my eye that day that I was at the library, you know, snooping through the news section, and it's got this really bright cover that really draws your eye, and it's big. It doesn't look like a classic graphic novel, so I picked it up. I saw that it was a graphic novel and thought, well, let me give it a go, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a very funny book. It's, the author is Daniel Close, and once I finished reading it, I read some reviews, and he's a very well-thought-of graphic novelist, which I didn't know because I don't read them. But it's, it's about a couple who is married, and they get pregnant. They're having some financial woes, and then the wife is murdered. Oh. And that's not a huge spoiler because that happens a few pages in. Okay. Um, part of why I'm not a graphic novel reader, there's two reasons. One, I find them a little confusing because I never know, like, which box am I supposed to read, which direction am mm-hmm. I supposed to go, <laughs> you know, all of that. And then also... Um, a friend of mine who's a writer pointed out to me a while ago that I'm more of a plot-driven reader. Mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in the details. And, you know, the like I don't care if someone has blonde hair or brown hair or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So when you're reading a graphic novel, a lot of it is supposed to be, like, stop and appreciate the drawings and yeah. the pictures. And, right. you know, a lot of the story is told that way. And so as I was reading it, I found it, the picture's rather distracting, mm-hmm. I have to admit. And there's even, what happens is um, the story, so the wife gets murdered. Of course, they think the husband did it because that's so commonly what happens. So the police don't look for any other suspects. Mm-hmm. He ends up even in jail for a period of time until, I can't remember, for some reason they discover, oh, oops, he didn't do it. And then he commits to figuring out who did. Okay. And there's a, cool. a way that he is able to travel back and forth into time. And thinking, you know, I'll change the course of time and then this won't have ever happened. Mm -hmm. That's kind of his purpose. So at some point he goes into the future, into 2029, which I'm here to tell you people isn't really that far away. (laughs) I mean, we're three years from 2020. It's insane. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it still sounds like a sci-fi I know. And we'll be writing it down very soon. So 2029, and he's in this bar and this blue woman, she's blue approaches him she's got bright yellow pubic hair oh. <laughs> and they end up having spending some time together and I'm like are my neighbors gonna be blue in 2029 like what the hell I mean and that's the thing about graphic novels to me that like I just find all of that incredibly distracting yeah you know so I I enjoyed it mm-hmm. I mean I did I read it from cover to cover but I was much more interested in like Cut to the chase. Tell me what happens. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really that interested in the imagery, which makes me feel bad because that's obviously where the writer does a lot of the work or yeah. the, you know, or the illustrator, illustrator does yeah. a lot of work, you know. Yeah. So 
I think if you're a graphic novel reader, you would enjoy it. I mean, he's a very well thought of um, writer. So that was my experience with Patience very by helpful. Daniel Close. <laughs> Good to try new things. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. right. That's right. And then the other book I just read is Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. She's one of my favorite authors. I When a, a new book of hers is coming out, I just anxiously await it. And um, it's about infidelity and kind of a Brady Bunch family that ensues in, in the sense that, you know, these two families with kids meld together. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a, a line of the story about grief, the loss of a child. And, you know, I have to admit it wasn't my favorite Ann Patchett book of all time. But um, her writing, she's such a fantastic writer that I enjoyed the words. Mm-hmm. But it took me about 100 pages to really embrace the story. And for me, that's a long time to wait. Yeah, that is. Yeah. yeah. And I only did it because I love her writing so mm-hmm. much. You know. Yeah. So Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. Cool. I started my year with her. I started uh, in January with Bel Canto. Oh, yeah. And I love that novel. And I... I read it, and then I went to Chicago. My mom and I saw the world premiere of the opera based on the novel. Yeah, and you enjoyed it, right? No, not really. (laughs) I I remembered that incorrectly. I thought you... I enjoyed the novel, and the opera was just a bit of a mess. I think... um, yeah, I'll just I'll okay. just leave it at that. And and it was well, it was interesting because <laughs> my mom and I went to see it. My mom uh, sees much more opera than I do. I've I've seen opera throughout my life, but I'm no connoisseur. I could say that. And the there was a woman with her young teenage daughter sitting next to us. And at intermission, we all started talking, and they were there because they read the novel and they both loved the novel, and it was their first opera, and they. She didn't, you could tell the mother wasn't, neither was enjoying it. And they didn't really know what to say to us because they didn't want to be offensive or anything. And my mom just finally said, you know, most operas aren't like this. She (laughs) said, you know, I I think you should go see a classic opera. And she gave her a couple of recommendations to go see. So, you know, and the thing is, it's, um, I, I think it was a great effort. And I think with a little revision, it could be a really great opera. So it just needed. It some was work. yeah. yeah. Uh, visually, it had moments that it was very stunning, but other times it was very confusing and just a big clusterfuck. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah, so still a good book though. It is a good book, and they did record it. That when we were there, they were recording it for PBS. So I'm not sure if it. I would think it aired already because that was almost a year ago. Okay. But um, there should be a PBS episode out there so you can see the opera yourself. And maybe if you DVR it or do one of those fancy things, you can forward through parts that are boring <laughs> or a mess. A mess, yeah. <laughs> well, part of me feels always feels a little guilt when I, you know, it's not that I, I don't want to ever trash anybody as anybody's creative endeavors because sure. they're out there and they're putting it out there. Yeah, sure. And uh, and I always commend people for that. Mm-hmm. Always, and just because I didn't like it doesn't mean other people didn't love it and it did get some really good reviews by people who probably know a lot more about music and and opera and vocals and well but I still appreciate your honesty I mean you and Laura go to a lot of shows so I think you're speaking with some authority yeah you know you've seen a few things even if you're not an opera connoisseur Mm -hmm. so I don't think I've ever seen an opera I mean I definitely love musical theater but I've never Mm -hmm. seen an opera yeah my parents would take us pretty you know, regularly, 
maybe once a year. I, I don't remember now, but I remember at the Chicago Lyric Opera and just being mesmerized by the scenes and the, the boldness of the vocals and the costumes are always very dramatic. Yeah. And, uh, and then I remember the big one. I don't know if it was the 90s when they started putting up the words in English yeah. above uh, people, just the outrage at that. Yeah. And I thought, too, I thought, you know, it's kind of annoying because I think if, it, if it's a good opera, you don't really need to understand the words necessarily to understand what's going on because you have the music and the, the tones and the costumes and the movement and everything. Right. I don't know. I, I think I'd like to have the words, mm-hmm. but I'm also a fan of watching, you know, even British movies with my subtitles on because I can't hear anything, you know, or understand what they're saying. So I probably would like it, but I'm also a fast reader kind Mm -hmm. of, although Mm -hmm. I took a test recently. I'm not as fast of a reader as I thought, but maybe I'm good at like, you know, getting a quick, you know, like when I'm reading subtitled movies, I never have a problem, Mm -hmm. you know, running out of time Mm -hmm. or whatever to read them. But um, I think I probably would like it. I think I'd like to at least have the option to know what's going on. Yeah, that that would be nice to have the option. But mm-hmm. when you have a live audience, it's kind of hard Yeah, to, to have that option. It's there or it's not. Yeah. But I do know with movies, I, there have been some movies I've watched with subtitles that I've watched twice mm-hmm. because, you know, I didn't get it yeah. all. And yeah. I know sometimes newer films, the subtitles are a little bit higher on the screen. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to see the action and yet read the subtitles, yeah. which I... Yeah. I really like the improvements in technology. I do too. I also find being a shorty, you know, sometimes you, if you don't get the right seat in the theater mm-hmm. and you're at a subtitled movie, it's like you're getting to read half the page. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. If that person that's tall would just bend a little to the right, <laughs> I, it would be all good. <laughs> well, what's the worst being a short person is when you're sitting behind somebody who keeps going to the yes. left and the right themselves <laughs> yeah. and you're like, just, just sit the, Still, you know, like pick a side. <laughs> so there's probably this whole chain reaction yeah, going exactly. back into the theater with everybody going left, right, left, right. Anyway. Uh, so what did you just oh, read? So what did I just read? Um, another entry in Sarah Weinman's Woman Crime Writers of the 1940s. I read The Horizontal Man by Helen Eustace. It was published in 1946. And it won Edgar Award for first novel in 1947. And it was another good one. Uh, did I talk? I didn't talk. No, I was reading this one yeah, last yeah. time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mystery, psychological suspense. It's it's humorous as well. It's it's fascinating to me because the some of the novels in the 40s, it seems like they really challenge the status quo and they make fun of certain things. But then they're also in some ways embracing those things. Because like in this novel, one of the main characters is a college girl who's a little overweight. It's 1940s. Well, yeah, 40s. So she's a little overweight. She wears blue jeans and tennis shoes and a sweater and a old polo jacket and has short hair and glasses. So not the 1940s cute college girl that we envision with the skirt and the sweaters and everything. And I, I really enjoyed the character. Her there's a character who becomes her love interest, who's one of the reporters working on this case. And I should say the case is, it's set on a, a fictional college campus, a woman's college in Connecticut. <laughs> and it's based on uh, Helen Eustace's experience at Smith College okay, in Massachusetts. So New England setting. And there's a young professor. He's Irish. He's a poet. He's trying to be a professor. He's wild. He's sexy. And he ends up dead. 
So mm-hmm. that's the dun, mystery. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, figuring out who who done it. And there are a couple characters who are suspects. The the nerdy guy who lives across the hall from him in the boarding house, an older professor. There's a woman who's an heiress who's also a professor on campus who is living outside of the norm of femaleness for that era. There's a suffering college president. There's the shrink who's on staff there. There's a young woman who's hysterically in love with the professor and goes off the deep end when he's found murdered. So you have this great cast Cast of characters. characters, And then in walks this young reporter who becomes a love interest for the young college girl. Kate is her name, who's the slightly overweight one. So there's all these comments about her weight, even from her love interest. You know, Mm -hmm. he... He says things to her like, well, you know, maybe if you lose 10 pounds, I'll ask you out again. Oh, my. And they're at a bar. And he's like, I don't know. Beer has too many calories. Why don't you have a coffee? And, like, so it's supposed to be humorous. And she smacks him back, like, with with commentary, too. But almost every character who sees her in the book comments on her weight. Like, Mm -hmm. she's called roly-poly and all of these things. So she's much her own character. But then she starts falling in love with this guy. She starts caring about her appearance more, and it's kind of like gag me, you know, like you want her to stay fiercely independent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So at the end, uh, she doesn't transform into the total, you know, nineteen forties college glamazon. But it's it's, it was a good read. It it's a psychological suspense, like I said, and the psychologist and one of the other characters talk a lot about the psychology of the young girl who had the breakdown. And then when the murderer, murderer is found, analyzing that person's background in mm. psychological terms. But at other times, you know, the psychology is made fun of. Mm. And it was the 40s, you know, yeah. when, when psychology was a new field yeah. in a lot of ways, at least in America. That Sounds was an like she covers read. a lot of territory. Yeah, it was a, it was mm. a neat read. Um, and I was really interested in Helen Eustace. She lived a long life. She was born in 1916 and died in 2015. Wow. Yeah, she's 99. Wow. Isn't that something? That is amazing. Do and, you know when she wrote her last book? Well, you know, it wasn't her her last short story was published in 1986. It was called A Winter's Tale, and it was in Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. Hmm. She had another, well, she wrote uh, throughout her her life one of the books she wrote the fool killer which came out in 1954 was made into a movie starring anthony hopkins in 1965 Mm. and that book was a civil war thriller based on some of the classic like boys lives kind of tales Mm -hmm. yeah she won an o henry award for one of her short stories and she also translated several books from french oh so she she had a good career and i'd never heard of her until Wow. Coming upon this collection. So another good read in that collection. Uh, and I did read another little book, The Trouble with Women. Oh. I'm, I'm holding this up to Emily like you can all see it. It's a tiny little book, The Trouble with Women by Jackie Fleming. Never heard of it. I never did either. And you know what? I I wanted or I, it was sent to me, Andrews McGill Publishing. There's a little note in here saying love your prize with all their social media things. This is a neat little book. It is a satire. It Each page has comedic drawings and a little verbiage. And what the book does, it's 
it's taking all of the ridiculous statements about why there are no women geniuses or famous artists and really just making fun of them. When I picked the book up, I, I was really cranky just, and I picked it up. I thought, oh, all right. It's like, oh, I don't know if this is the book for me to be looking at right now about <laughs> why are there no, you know, famous women because they have small brains and weak hands. And I turned the page to page 14 and this page, the writing above says, Women with domestic servants could devote themselves to their embroidery samples is one of the things. And then the embroidery sample has all the little figures and stuff with the thing says, help me, which <laughs> totally made me burst out and laugh. And I thought, okay. And by the and I, I read this in one sitting. It's a short little book. How many pages? It has 117 pages. But again, it's writing with images. Black and white. Black and white. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. really a neat little book. And, you know, it talks about Freud and just how all the male geniuses, you know, evaluating women, but just how ridiculous it yeah. was and what women were forced to wear and to do and to be and the contradictions that women were so gentle and couldn't do this and that. Meanwhile, you have women who are slaves and women who are working in coal mines yeah. at the same time and, yeah. and just how ridiculous that was. So, it, and it's a cute little book, um, The Trouble with Women by Jackie Fleming. Neat book. Yeah, very cool. Enjoyed that. So what are you currently reading? What am I, you know, I'm currently doing the reading listening thing oh. with Ruth Franklin's Shirley Jackson biography. Oh, yeah. the, the biography that started it all yes. for the book cougars. The, yes. <laughs> Going to see her event. I think it was October 29th. So I'm reading and listening to it and I'm really seriously enjoying it. Now, does she read it? Father. No, okay, no. So you know what? And I didn't yeah. write the narrator's name down. I really like her a lot. Great voice. Mm-hmm. She reads it very slowly. Mm-hmm. So I know when I'm in my car, I do put it at 1.25. Woo, woo! Yes. <laughs> a convert. <laughs> no. But then when I was laying in bed the other night, I put it at regular speed because she mm-hmm. does have such a soothing, nice voice. Yeah. And it's neat to read it and listen to it because you have the pictures in the book and mm. Yeah. You know, you can pick up the names and everything, yeah. and I'm I'm really enjoying it. I, I love the way she effortlessly weaves stuff from Jackson's life into her fiction in a way that doesn't seem like heavy-handed or a big stretch at all. Very graceful. Yeah, and, so you, know, you can really see the autobiographical nature of her yeah. writing. Without it being enough, you know, sometimes biographers who do that with writers, it's just it's so heavy-handed mm-hmm. or it's a big jump. Yeah. Or it's too psycho babbly yeah nothing like that has popped up for me at this point i i'm really impressed with the book so far and enjoying it and a reminder that that's one of the books that made the new york times 100 100 notable books of 2016 yep shirley jackson a rather haunted life um by live right publishing which is a division of norton yeah, and I and I was looking again at the book, and Ruth, I bought the copy there and had mm-hmm. and asked Ruth Franklin to sign it, and she did, and she put in there to Chris, always insist on your cup of stars, and that is a reference to the haunting of Hill House. So those of you who read that novel know what that is referring to, okay. which made me really happy because she did ask me when we were talking like if I had a favorite Jackson book or story, and I mm-hmm. said the haunting of Hill House, which I loved. Oh, cool. That's sweet. That's a nice little um, personalized autograph. You yeah. know, sometimes they're just like scribble, scribble, next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I could tell you from having worked in the bookstores, sometimes those types of signatures are not always from that author. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry, everybody, to burst your bubbles out there. Yeah. And she was delightful. Again, I think we yeah. talked about that there. Yeah. Ruth Franklin was yeah, just delightful to listen sweet. to. Yeah. And very knowledgeable. Yeah. Well, that's funny because I'm currently doing a read where I'm doing a listen and a read also of the Underground Railroad by oh. Colson Whitehead. Excellent. And um, the narrator is, I want to say it's Betty Turbin. I should have written oh, that down. Oh, it's a woman. Okay. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she's, I've listened to books narrated by her in the past. I really like her voice. And mm-hmm. she does a really good job of doing some male voices as well. So mm-hmm. so I've only, so far, I'm about four hours into the list, and I haven't picked up the book yet. I will do that tonight. So it'll be interesting to, I always like to go back to the start and kind of, like mm-hmm. you said, look at the names and look at some different things that they talk about that you kind of feel like maybe you missed it a little bit mm-hmm. or you wanted to reread it. So mm-hmm. so that's the one I'm working on right now. Our next segment is Biblio Adventures, yes. which since the last time we recorded, I don't know if we've been on a Biblio Adventure, have we? I, I forgot to talk about one that I went on, so oh, I wanted to just talk about that really quickly. I went to um, a speak-up event with Matthew Dix and Alicia Dix. It's, um, Matthew is a published author, and he's also a Moth's Grand Story Slam winner. He does a lot of um, story speak-up storytelling type of things. And he and his wife um, started this business called Speak Up. Um, I think the website's speakupstorytelling.com. I'll put that in the show notes. It was supposed to be at um, the Jewish Community Center in New Haven, but unfortunately they had a fire there, so they mm-hmm. rescheduled at the last minute, and it was on the Yale campus at the Yale Cabaret. Oh, I didn't even know they had a cabaret. I know. It was kind of <laughs> cool. So I, I had my Gilmore Girl moment. I felt like Rory walking around <laughs> on campus, you know, and I went with a couple friends of mine, um, and you walk in, and it was kind of in this basement of, you know, a classic Yale brick building. And it was, everything was black and it was kind of cool because they had, you know, um, bar type, you know, kind of tall bar tables and then chairs all around and short tables. And we got a seat right up in the front and I I got to go say hi to Matthew and Alicia, which was nice. I've been to a couple of Booktopias with them. Mm -hmm. And um, also this was my fourth speak up event. And one of the things I really love about it, Matthew um, does uh, storytelling, what do you call them? Workshops. Workshops. Yeah. Yeah. And so he always at these events, there's someone who it's their first time ever up on the stage telling a story. And it's fun to watch the progression of, you know, someone who's telling one of their stories for the first time live on stage versus, you know, the person who told the last story, I think, or and Matthew, who didn't he told the last story before intermission, who are well, you know, like they're well oiled machines. They've told these stories that they're telling many times live, you know, and it's really, you know, I give a lot of credit to these newbies who Mm -hmm. go up there and try to tell their story. And you can also see like, Oh, I can see where this one needs to be polished a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But we had a really nice evening. They had seven storytellers. All of the stories were really interesting, really fun. Some were um, sad, some were funny, you know, it was Mm -hmm. a good mix. Um, and I'm proud to say when you and I went to our speak up event in Hartford, we couldn't find our car after the event. It was quite quite a tragedy. (laughs) It was a terrible, cold, freezing, cold, like that cold rain. Cold rain, yeah. You know, we couldn't find the car, even though I had printed directions from the event center we were at where to park, you know. So we had to get rescued by one of the security guards that worked the event. Um, This time. Yeah, this time we parked right outside the venue on the street. It was very easy. Afterwards, we walked right out. So 
life. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about that. And then I also wanted to mention, I forgot to mention um, in our last episode, on December 11th, December 11th, New York Times Sunday travel section was all about bookstores. There's an article in the front written by Ann Patchett, the author Ann Patchett, about bookstores. She's a bookstore owner. She mm-hmm. owns Parnassus Books in I Nashville. I want to go there. Me too. Road trip. Yes, yeah. I'm dying to go there. And she actually mentions in the article how people come to the bookstore to stalk her. And, you know, I would definitely be one of those people. <laughs> so um, There's also cool things about um, hotels you can stay at that kind of have a book theme. And then there's a section that has authors and their favorite bookstores. And then some of the most, you know, fantastic bookstores there are supposed to be to visit in the world. Mm -hmm. So December 11th issue of New York Times travel section. Um, If you haven't read it, you might want to go to your library and take a perusal through it. It might give you some inspiration for literary adventures for 2017. We do have a very exciting upcoming jaunt. We do. A joint jaunt. A joint jaunt. Yes. You want to talk about it? Well, this is a big whale of an event. <laughs> very good, Chris. <laughs> we, uh, we, we applied and we were accepted to be readers at the annual Moby Dick Marathon reading at the New Bedford Whaling Museum. We're very excited about that. Um, yeah. I'm a big Moby Dick fan and... Emily is new to Moby Dick. Yes, I've never and, read it. Yeah. Chris Sassily texted me after we both we both got emails saying we were invited to be readers. And then she texted me and said, so are you going to read it now? And I said, I know I'm going to read five minutes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we read five minutes, uh, five minute increments. I, a couple, well, was it this year or last year? I don't remember time flies. I did um, the... Harry Beecher Stowe Center's marathon reading of Uncle Tom's Cabin. And for that, you read a 15-minute increment. So here with Moby Dick, it'll be five minutes. I think this marathon reading has been going on for, oh, I don't know how many years. but Maybe we should back up and tell people what that actually means. What the Moby Dick? What a marathon read is. A marathon read is, um, it's not everybody sitting together reading the book. It's readers standing before the audience and each taking five minutes and reading the book sequentially. Right. Would that be the right word? From start to finish. So I think Moby Dick takes 25 hours to read that way, you know, give or take. And they read it through the night. They read it through the night. Yes, absolutely. We didn't sign up for a middle of the night time slot, however. (laughs) I think we could choose three time slots. It's over two days. It starts on Saturday at noon, I think, and ends Sunday around noon. So you read, people read throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll be reading Sunday morning. I think 8.30. It's a couple hours drive. And they have a breakfast in the morning. Yeah. So we're going to leave, I think, 5.30 or so. Yeah, and we'll leave early that day yeah. and, and head up there. So I'm really looking forward to I'm it. I'm excited. Yeah. I've yeah. been to the New Bedford Whaling Museum. Great museum. And I think we're doing this on January 8th. Is yes. That, right? that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So next time we talk to you, we'll have been reading Moby Dick together Moby Dick, out yes. loud. <laughs> It will be fun. Yeah, and I actually, Chris uh, did alert me to a really cool audio edition of Moby Dick read by lots of famous people, Mm -hmm. like Tilda Swinton starts reading the first chapter. Um, So I'm going to try to figure out a way to hopefully listen to that before we go, or at least get through some of it that way. Yeah, I think Mary Oliver reads the final chapter. She does. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes, that audio 
um, you know, the audio version that has all the okay, famous yeah, actors. That's a neat thing. And I, I never, I read, I listened to it on my desktop, I think, when I was, you know, doing work in my office. I don't mm -hmm. think I ever figured out how to put it on my phone. Yeah. Because it's not, I don't think it's something you can subscribe to on iTunes. I think it's a separate okay. type yeah. thing. But we'll have to, we'll figure yeah, that we'll out figure and we'll that put out. that in the show notes. Yeah. Very good. And by the way, we have show notes, everybody. So if we've mentioned a book that you didn't quite catch, you can just go to bookcougars.com, look for whatever episode you've been listening to where you didn't catch the book, and it'll be listed there. Right. Yeah. The book and its author. And I put them in there um, under the categories. So if you can remember, like, oh, she talked about it, that she just read it, then it would be under the heading of just read. If it's an upcoming read, under the heading of upcoming, that sort of thing. Excellent. nice segue Emily because our next segment is upcoming reads yes what do you yes. have coming up um well I have I I too think about what books I want to start and end the year with and I'm kind of interested in a light read mm -hmm. to start the year this year so I found this book at the library called the book that matters most by mm -hmm. Anne Hood I think it's a very light light read and um it's about book clubs and picking books for book clubs cool. i believe that's mm -hmm. but it's a work of fiction mm -hmm. it's not non-fiction so. oh interesting okay. yeah so i that's about all i know about it so um hopefully i'll get to it and be able to report back yeah i'm gonna i'm not sure yet what i'm reading next um i'll be listening to the audiobook i currently have going but as far as a book i'm at that point where i'm picking my new book to read mm -hmm. today I love that. Feeling. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm not sure because it probably will be my last book of the year. Okay, because we said Happy New Year when we started yeah. this episode, but we're Today's you know, today is actually um, December twenty third. Yeah, it's a Friday. We're recording a little early because I'm heading out of town for a spell. Mm -hmm. But we do yeah. have an upcoming read that we're going to do together. Yeah, so maybe we could talk about that. That sounds good. The upcoming read is The English Patient. By Michael Andaje. Is mm -hmm. that how you say his name? I think Andage. so. Andaje. Yeah. It has that funny T in yeah. it. Um, it's a book I've been wanting to read ever since, you know, the well, the movie coming out was what drew my drew my attention to it. And I remember seeing parts of the movie, but I always remember thinking, I don't really want to watch the movie until I read the book. And what the book came out 30 years ago. <laughs> So um, I picked up a copy for a dollar somewhere at a library sale because I thought, I do want to read that. And Emily, and Emily and I were talking about it one day, and she hasn't read it either. And, you know, you know how it happens when two readers get together. Right. Oh, let's read it. Let's read it together. <laughs> and then here we are doing this uh, podcast, and we thought it might be fun to open it up to you all who might be interested in reading it yeah. along with us. Yeah, so we thought um, what we're going to do is start reading it at the first of the year, and um, we're hoping that if anybody would like to read along with us, or if you've read it already and you have questions or comments, please let us know by February 1st, mm -hmm. and then we'll be talking about it on the episode coming up after that. And you can submit questions or comments through various sources. We yeah. have um, Twitter. Right? Yeah, Twitter. <laughs> have to be 147 characters or less. <laughs> um, you can email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. And, and Facebook. Facebook. We're on Facebook, yeah. yeah. It might be easiest just to email us questions yeah. or comments yeah. and put in the subject line. Yeah, the English, English patient. patient. Yeah. yeah. And if there is a spoiler, let us know that there's a spoiler. Yeah, that's a good and idea. And the subject, maybe, yeah. just, yeah. you know, so yeah. we don't have our reading experience 
ruined. Although you have to wonder, like, when does it become acceptable to say, fuck it, yeah. I'm talking about the book fully? Well, I think when we're talking about it on the podcast, we're going to say that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, yeah. we've read it, so we're yeah. going to talk about it. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I love the whole thing about spoilers. Sometimes I love picking up a book, not knowing a thing about it, and just yeah. getting sucked in. And other times, even the slightest little hint about a book can can be a spoiler. I know there's a there's a writer that I love who's really great at plot twists that you just don't see coming. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to mention the person's name because I remember one time Michael on Books in the Nightstand talking about spoilers that even saying if somebody, if there's a big plot twist that comes up in a book, you don't want to say that to people because yeah. then they're going to be reading for it. Right. right. And, and it yeah. won't be that, that joy of discovery that a right. book can give you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't like to read reviews. I barely even like to watch movie trailers. I, I really don't like spoilers at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like the spoiler of like, this is the best book I've ever read. Yeah. You know, to me, that kind of gives it a, a pressure. Mm-hmm. If it's somebody that you know, that you really like their, you know, you have similar tastes in reading or something yeah. like that. I know that's a little drastic, but I like to read reviews after I've read a book. Mm-hmm. I love to do that. And I also do read New York Times book review every week, mm-hmm. and I admire the reviewers who somehow write about a book but don't give anything away about it. I yeah. think that's a real art. That is, yeah. And some people do it really well, and some people tell you the entire book mm-hmm. with all its plot twists, you yeah. know, in the course of a review, which makes. And me I, crazy. I kind of feel like that's like more of a book, book. What what we have used to write in school a book. Book review. Book, what did they call book, book report. Book, I'm book sorry. Report. Book report. That's yeah, yeah. It's like a book yeah. report. Yeah. And they do that. Yeah. And I just kind of sometimes wonder. Yeah. That's true. And then next. And then next. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. true. So I think what we'll do before we start talking about the English patient is we'll just make it very clear yeah. that, you that know, we're going to be talking spoilers, about it. Yeah. yeah. And maybe we'll offer a beeped episode. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. No. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? That's one of the funny things that is in a. The musical Something's Rotten that I saw, like one of the producers, I think, is he a producer? Yeah, he's the producer in this, in the musical, and uh, Romeo and Juliet is the big play that's out there right now that people are raving about, and somebody says something like, oh, they all die, and the guy's like, oh, spoiler, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of funny to think about spoilers in history, because that's true. the first time somebody saw Romeo and Juliet, like, oh my god, they Right. Died. And if I decided to read Romeo and Juliet, I know that that's what yeah. happens at the end, you know, right? Because yeah. I've seen the play enough times. So, yeah, yeah, in the movie, right? I mean, versions of the movie, of yeah. the story in movies. So that's a funny, good point. And this obviously has been made into a movie, The English Patient, which I yeah. have seen. And yeah. so I remember it, viv- not vividly. I, rem- mm-hmm. I don't remember it very well. I mean, I remember the characters who play the main, you know, the, the actors who play the main characters. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that that will be interesting when I read the book because I will be thinking of their faces as I read, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't remember the story very well. So. I, I remember the plane crashing. I remember that yeah. scene. Yeah. And didn't it come out around the same time as Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't remember that. Okay. I yeah. kind of feel like it was okay. from that period. I'm trying to think of how old I would have been when that came. I mean, I think I was still in high school when the English I Patient came I think I was, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, right. so we're excited. We're doing a joint read, English Patient, Read Along, Michael Andace. And again, if you are interested in reading it along with us and you have any questions or comments, if you could submit them to us by February 1st. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Great.
All right, everybody. Great. Happy reading. And thanks for listening, as always. Yeah. If you have any general comments, too, about the podcast, please email us at bookcougars at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at bookcougars or Facebook at bookcougars. And if you're listening on iTunes and would like to give us a review, we'd appreciate it. It helps other people find us. Yes, indeed. All right, All right everybody. Take happy care. Happy reading. Bye. Right.